0: Where there is no vision, there is no hope. George Washington Carver.
1: Bending Not Breaking. The Dragon Prince Edition. Season 3, Episode 3. Ghost. to bending not breaking this is ben pruitt your host for the dragon prince edition and i am very excited because with this new dragon prince season we are trying something new where we are having some fun time with guests and i'm really excited because what we're doing and what we're trying out is we are inviting our patrons from patreon to be guests on this season and our first guest from our patrons who are who is joining us uh, is Kelly. And Kelly is pretty great. She joins us monthly, uh, often monthly for our live episodes with patrons, but also has graciously decided to join us for this episode of the Dragon Prince. So Kelly, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. How are you today?
0: Hey, thanks so much for having me Ben. I'm so excited to be on the podcast. It's like, honestly, fulfillment of like a lifelong dream. Don't tell anybody though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so like a podcast or this podcast in particular?
0: Oh, I mean, I feel like I would say any podcast, but if I get to be on one, you know, with people that I like to talk to and a topic that I enjoy, I feel like, you know, that's ideal, so, right? That's like,
1: yeah. Win-win situation, right?
0: Yeah. Best possible scenario
1: yeah well this is awesome i'm i'm really grateful that you offered to join us we were excited to kind of uh brainstorm sunshine and then we're talking about it I'm like what if we tried this like we talked we, we've been doing these monthly episodes for so long and those conversations are so they offer so much that we were like yo let's just start inviting them and uh, here we are you get to be the inaugural patron on our podcast which is very exciting wow i know big deal um so this is big because you also got to choose the quote, you got to choose the lens, and I'm really excited to kind of hear about the lens you chose for this episode. What what did you choose? Tell us about it. Why did you choose it? All that jazz.
0: Okay, so for Dragon Prince Season 3, Episode 3, Ghost, I chose the lens Vision, um, which I feel like is not super original, um, not reinventing the wheel or anything, but when I was kind of reading through... Um, a synopsis on, of the episode on the Dragon Prince Wiki. And I watched the episode, I was trying to find something that I thought could kind of tie in the different important plot points that are happening. Um, and I liked vision because, you know, it's, you know, the state of being able to see something, right? You know, it's what you see. It's also like thinking about, um, or planning for the future with imagination or wisdom, reading from Mm. the Google definitions, but I really liked that it had multiple definitions. And then even like looking at it as like to have a vision is like to imagine something, to look forward to something, to plan for something. So, and I thought that a lot of the characters that we see, um, you know, throughout the series and this episode, they have a vision and that kind of what propels them forward.
1: Yeah. I, I really love this concept of vision, uh, the the relationship between vision, imagination, and hope, right? And yeah. I, I think that there, there's something really beautiful about that because in order to have hope, one must first have imagination. And that kind of combo is what creates a vision. It what allows for planning. It's what allows for all kinds of stuff. So I, I'm really interested to see how that kind of picks up in this episode. There's a lot of really neat,
0: neat moments. Yeah, I think so too.
1: Well, well, I I you know, not every listener who is listening right now has seen the episode uh within a amount of time that is adequate to remember all the fun little details, which means you being our first patron guest have the opportunity to remind everybody what's going on, which is my favorite, because now I don't have to do it. Uh, you get to do a 30-second <laughs> recap of the episode.
0: Okay, How do you I, feel? I, I, I wrote it down. I'm not going to lie. I wrote stuff down. Got to um, remember.
1: Notes are, notes are fine.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, there's a lot of different like back-and-forth parts, um, so I tried to condense it. I don't know. I wrote it. I did not practice it, though. I did not time it, so... We'll see how fast I can say everything.
1: Yeah, no worries. Well, I'm I'm going to time you and it may or may not happen. <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you a 10 second warning. Okay. All right. On your mark, get set.
0: Rayla and Callum go to Silvergrove, where Rayla finds out she was ghosted. Hecatelus, Ezrin tries to convince Prince Kasif that peace is possible, and Salir is being kind of shady. Viren meets with Claudia and Soren, where he gaslights Soren to keep Claudia's trust, and once they leave, Salir brings Prince Kasif to plot treason with Viren. Rayla and Callum seek out Athari, who allows them to speak briefly about her mission and what went wrong. Amaya, who was captured by the Sunfire Elps, has to stare into the light to be spared from death, and then Athari gives Rayla and Callum help to journey to Zim, reunite Zim with the Dragon Queen. <sighs>
1: Oh, that was very good. You had, like, one second to spare there. That was very
0: nice. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I left out so much though. I was writing it, and I was like, yeah, I'm not really saying why these things are happening. I'm just saying exactly what happens.
1: Yeah, I just am so excited to, like... Have all the patrons who decide to join us do this as an exercise, so that (laughs) (laughs) so that they can know what it's like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine like doing one without having anything written down. Like, do you guys do them without writing anything down, or do you guys do you guys prepare when you have to do them?
1: Oh God, you're revealing our our inner working. Okay,
0: if you don't want to tell, Uh, you don't have to. No, it's totally
1: fine. (laughs) We. It it depends. Sometimes we do it off the cuff and sometimes we have notes. It kind of depends on if we're doing, sometimes we record multiple episodes at a time and when Mm, that happens, it's it's really helpful to have notes because we sometimes get them confused. Yeah, (laughs) Um, totally. But if we are uh, doing it like a one-off recording, oftentimes we'll just, we'll wing it.
0: Yeah, I feel like if it's fresh in your mind, you can kind of like just keep track, but I did not trust myself.
1: (laughs) <laughs> there's, there's literally no way to capture 30 minutes. I guess it's more like 20, 22 minutes of yeah. uh, of stuff in 30 seconds. That's kind of the whole point. You'll never be able to capture it all.
0: Yeah, um, that's, that's but,
1: fair. So it goes. We can't win them all. Um, but okay, this kind of brings us to the bulk of the episode. We're going to talk about some moments of vision And, you know, I'm going to toss it straight to you. What's a moment of a vision that you kind of want to make sure we touch on first?
0: Okay, I I feel like, do I want to go for like, what I think is like the heavy hitter or, you know, I'll go for like, the nice part first. So a
1: little softball to start.
0: Yeah. So in this episode, um, you know, Ezrin has been, you know, in, in previous episodes, Ezrin has been meeting with. Prince Kasif and his advisors and basically trying to convince them all that peace is possible, and he 's invited Prince Kasif back to you know the throne room, and you know Prince Kasef, I thought it was really powerful that Prince Kasiv says, "Did you have a change of heart?" and Ezrin says no i 'm going to tell you something that I hope will change your heart. Yeah. Um, I, I just love that because I feel like ezrin 's vision for peace is so strong um, And he says, there can be peace again. We just have to believe it. And I feel like that, like you said earlier, that like having a vision is really tied to your belief and hope, um, you know, in that vision succeeding, if you're willing to stay committed to it. Um, And I think that it's really hard to see. I mean, I think it's hard to see. It's hard to see Ezrin be challenged so, um, so much by the adults around him. Or even Prince Kasif. I don't know if he's really like a true adult adult. He seems kind of young, but it's hard to see him being challenged by, you know, older people who are, you know, honestly a little bit jaded um, and a little just have like different life experiences than him. Um, And I think that it's awesome that he is able to stand up for what he's decided um, is the right thing to do.
1: There are so many things I want to touch on from this scene, and I'm really glad you lifted it up because you're you're pointing to us to a lot of really important conversations. So, okay, I'm 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 gonna start with what you ended on, and <laughs> uh, what you ended on was with this concept of adults being jaded, and Ezrin, who is what like eight, <laughs> ten, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know exa- I don't know Ezrin's exact age, I guess, but he's young. He is a super child. and uh, oftentimes when younger people come up with this uh, what seems to be naive outlook, oftentimes the adults just chalk it up to, oh, they're just young, they don't know what the world is like. They, they kind of write off children because they don't understand the world. And I see this a lot when, you know, recently in Florida, for instance, with the Don't Say Gay bill, and there were hundreds of children mm. that walked out of school recently um, to protest. And a lot of times these teens are like, oh, they're just teenagers. They don't understand. But they see they have a vision of a better future. And they're taking a stand because that's the only way they know how. And this is like, I'm just seeing a real connection between Ezrin and that kind of movement here. Um, Are you seeing a connection there too? Is that, does that line up for you also?
0: Yeah, I definitely, yeah, I definitely agree. I think that, um, yeah, we're really willing to write off, you know, children and younger people because they don't have the same experiences. We think that they don't have enough experience. But it's kind of like they get to see things from the outside in a lot of ways. They get to see things without um, all the pain from the past, especially um, in the Dragon Prince, you know, right? All the humans believe that, you know, Zadia and, you know, the elves, everyone has been kind of out to get them, you know, since the war began. Um, And they have all that pain that they carry with them. And I think that um, Ezran's able to kind of, like not be, have his vision clouded by that pain of the past. And I feel Mm -hmm. like you see that today with a lot of young people who are wanting to, you know, quote unquote, break generational curses and not repeat, you know, the same failures of the past, not, you know, recommitting to pain and re, you know, not continuing down that same, that same road, you know, whatever it might be for them.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I, you are a teacher, correct? Yeah. And so you work with uh, young people, and I'm curious in your uh, work with young people over the past several years, thinking about how um, have you ever been the jaded adult in your classroom, and and what is that what is that like for you? Have you noticed that? Um, and then I'm just curious if that's something that because I know that when I was working with teens, I was there were definitely times where I was like I'm reflected on it and realized that I was like I'm I'm a jaded adult (laughs) so I'm curious (laughs) I'm curious if that has ever popped up for you or um yeah I'm just curious
0: um I feel like I work with elementary kids so they're you know they're not as like having they're not having any existential crises usually yet but um it's usually not that I'm jaded it's usually that um I'm like you know this is kind of the way things are
1: this is how things
0: work and they're like, well, why? And I'm like, well, that's just kind of, that's how I was taught that it worked. And so that's kind of how I'm teaching you that it worked. And they're like, well, what if we didn't do it that way? And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, totally. You yeah. don't have to do it that way. Let's, <laughs> how, how do you want to do it? Let's do it that way. Or, you know, yeah. sometimes they, they'll just remind me that um, things that I consider to be, you know, rules are considered to, I teach music, so I was teaching kids about like the rules of music because music has rules and they're like well what if you just go like this instead of that and I was like oh that'd be breaking the rules but you know let's do it let's let you know let's listen to what that sounds like so I feel like it's just a reminder to not be so stuck on um how things have been
1: yeah yeah and I I, I we see this with O'Pelli. we see this with all the adults in the room who are like no this is how it is supposed to go and you you notice that Ezrin to this point they keep on trying to teach Ezran how to behave by saying, Prince Ezran, we have this way. And then you, you see like all of these jelly tart incident with Corvus, this like all this, all these things mm-hmm. that happened last episode, right? That are kind of trying to show Ezran the way. And Ezran is just super comfortable with doing it his way. <laughs> and yeah, I find that to be really... Like I think a lot of adults would see that as being obstinate or see that as being uh not okay, but to me from this perspective, on looking from the outside in, I'm sitting there going like, You go, Ezrin,
0: <laughs> yeah, especially when it's not us, it's not you know a a kid telling us these things, I'm like definitely on Ezrin' side, but I can definitely see circumstances where if you know where it might go a different way but i sure. I definitely root for Ezrin um and I like in the previous episodes that he just decides that even though he's not sure how things were done in the past, or he's not sure he's just decided that he's going to do what he thinks is right. He's going to be himself. Um, Yeah. And I think that gives him a lot of strength.
1: Yeah. Well, and that kind of returns to this vision concept with Ezra and Prince Kasif. um, If we kind of return to the beginning of that conversation where, Ezrin's trying to change Prince Kasif's mind here and show him a different vision of the future that he really believes in and sees that is possible that Prince Kasif doesn't see. And oftentimes, I I, I think this happens a lot in real life between real people, (laughs) where if I have been hurt like Prince Kasif has, I am way more likely to judge. I am way more likely to jump to conclusions. I am like the story that I'm telling myself is rooted in the pain, not rooted in the rest of the story. And we oftentimes tell ourselves an incomplete story without all of the information because it again, it confirms the the bias that we have right which prince case mm-hmm. is like you know zadia did this and yeah and it this this information is incomplete but because that's the information he has this is the only vision he sees that, of the future is to annihilate because that's the only way he knows it whereas Ezrin has seen another future he has made friends with with rayla and all of a sudden, that cultivates this hope for what could be that Kasaf, of course, can't see, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so part of me doesn't blame Prince Kasaf either. And I am i don't, I mean, he's totally a little jerkwad, but at the same time, <laughs> I don't necessarily blame him for it, you know?
0: Yeah, no, tot- I, I agree. And especially I was thinking, because I was, you know, reading back about some of the other episodes and kind of how... The season comes to a head I won't say much about it but um given the history between you know Zadia and the humans and everything that's happened and um on both sides it's really hard you can't draw a line um I don't think you can draw a line be on one side or the other um you have to be able to see both perspectives and I wonder if I don't know if it really ever comes up but I wonder you know if there's room and Ezrin's vid, like vision to honor, you know, the you know, the people who are angry, um who do need some type of resolution, you know, to what they perceive like yeah. the injustice that they perceive to happening and I think that if we had a chance to explore like mm. they explored that more in the episodes, I think that Ezrin would be the type of ruler to make room um for that. But we don't really get to see it.
1: Mm. You know what you're you're lifting up for me is what's missing from Ezrin's plan. And I think what's missing from Ezrin's pitch to Prince Kasif is accountability for what has been done. Yeah. And I think that might be part of the rub for Prince Kasif is your your vision is, you know, a free-free vision. It go. Right. Because I can't let this stand. This is something that there needs to be accountability for the fact that my my father is almost dead. And that for the fact that there are two other um, monarchs that have been lost. Right. And so I, I, Mm -hmm. I think that that's something that Ezrin doesn't necessarily communicate well as saying, hey, we can have peace and hold people accountable. But that's not kind of what he's focused on. He's focused on this peace effort, you know.
0: Yeah, it's almost like, I mean, I feel like it's hard to get all that wrapped up, you know, into a short sentiment, but um, maybe it's like, you know, if if we can just get a peace to hold, if we can get people to stop, you know, getting their armies ready and stuff, maybe we could talk it out. Maybe that's his goal, but yeah, we don't really get to see it. So yeah, I definitely agree that, you know, Kasif, Prince Kasif, he's not really reassured at all by what Ezrin is saying. And even though yeah. I agree with Ezrin, I, you know, I still, you gotta kind of think about who, who you're talking to and, you know, how you can help them come, come to your side. Well, and I Ezrin think, did, oh, go ahead.
1: Well, I, I think that's what it, exactly what it is, is what we're, we're getting this vision of Ezrin's future, which is really beautiful, but there's, there's something missing, and it's the same thing for Prince Kasif. We have this vision of what needs to happen. There needs to be accountability for what has been done, but it's really lacking a lot of moral stability. And so, it, how do we put, how do we merge these visions together, rather than say, "No, I can't do what you're doing because it doesn't fit my bill," right? And and it goes mm-hmm. both ways. Like, I can't do what you're doing because it didn't fit my bill. How do we how do we get to the yes? where both people can say yes, right? And I think that's the conversation piece that's missing for creating collective vision. And I think that's something that we can learn from in the real world is when we have two competing visions of the future, it's not saying, well, your vision doesn't fit mine, so we're gonna just uh, agree to disagree and never be able to talk again. No, Mm -hmm. it's, okay, let's, let's talk about it. Let's get to the root of the issue here and see if we can come to a collective vision I think that's something I would like to have seen if it were possible.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: But so it goes. So it goes. That's a very high expectation to have of a of a ten year old. I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and he's just getting started. I mean. Yeah. It's really only the beginning, um, and I think he's just trying to do his best at this point and stick, you know, stick to his guns, as they say.
1: Yeah, and I, one of the things I worry about also is for for children and young people who have really high expectations of the world, like Ezrin does, I I think it leads to burnout faster. And I think it leads to not just burnout, but also, like, becoming jaded, right? I think it mm. leads leads to these adults who are super judgy of the young because I had these high visions and they didn't work out and I know they can't because after a while, if they don't work, then of course you're going to start to be judgy of them. But yeah. just because they didn't work out doesn't mean that they can't work out, right? And I think that's, that's a, a fine, fine line to navigate, you know?
0: Yeah, it's like, how do you marry your vision with reality? How do you create? Mm. Because, I mean, vision is based on imaginativity, uh, creativity. Like, how do you marry those things together to have a vision that Mm. can succeed and that honors the people who you want to be part of that vision? I feel like that... I mean, I feel like some people would say that's impossible. Um, And I don't think it's impossible, but it's definitely... Requires a lot of thoughtfulness. It requires a lot of communication.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and probably compromise. I feel like. Mm. That's in there too.
1: Yeah. Oof. Wow. So. I I feel like we've lingered on this moment for a hot minute. Um,
0: yeah, totally. And, and there's
1: so much there. Like we could probably keep going, but let's let's for the sake of f- for getting to the rest of the episode. I I wonder if there are <laughs> if there are other moments of, of vision that kind of spoke to you.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, jumping off, kind of jumping off of, you know, Prince Case of kind of willing to go to war, you know, to basically wipe out Zadia to basically, you know, cement, you know, humans rule in this world. Uh, I feel like he's willing to sacrifice a lot of people and resources a lot to mm -hmm. win that and that kind of brings me to another part that I really wrote a lot about um, when I was watching the episode was how Viren and Erevos are still pushing towards their shared vision of uniting the five kingdoms against Zadia, you know, going to war. And I thought it was interesting how, you know, Soren and Claudia are like, why are you down here? What did you do? And he's like, I just broke some rules. Um, (laughs) And he was just talking about how you have to be willing to do certain things, um, you know, to succeed, right? And it comes out even in even worse ways when, you know, uh, he's asking how their missions went. You know, Claudia needed to get the egg. Soren needed to get the princess. You can take "get" however you want, but and then they both failed. And you know, Claudia says Soren almost died, and Viren says that doesn't matter. You know, he actually yells it. I'm not going to yell, though, but he yells it. And then the animation is he lunges towards them and his chain that he's, you know, he's chained to the floor. The chain pulls taut, you -hmm. know, like he is getting to the end of... He's coming right at them to say, it doesn't matter. And he, you know, he says, I would have wanted you to sacrifice my life, you know, to complete these missions. Um, And even further, I mean, he's willing to go so far... That even when, you know, Claudia accuses him uh, or, you know, she says, what about, you know, you telling Soren to kill the Mm princess?" You know, Erevos is in his ear saying, if you tell her the truth, you're going to lose her and you will need her later. So, I mean, immediately he's thinking about his vision. He needs her as a pawn Mm -hmm. and he needs to cut her like... Contact with Soren, basically. She needs to... He needs to cut them apart to keep her. Yeah. And so he Hmm. just straight up gaslights Soren so hard. Yes. It's so sad. And Soren just being that he thinks that he is not special, he's not worthy, he just takes it like a champ. He doesn't even say anything. I... This is a heartbreaking uh,
1: moment. Yeah.
0: Seriously. He doesn't... I mean... And it just... It's just... You know, Viren... And, you know, Erebus, they're so driven towards this vision that they have. Yeah. That they're willing to go, you know, they're willing to go that far, even with his own children.
1: Yeah.
0: And with other people. Um, It's just like, it's kind of scary. They're kind of, you know, they're a scary duo because they don't have the same, you know, moral compass that's keeping, you know, our protagonists on the side of peace.
1: Yeah. Oh. Wow, there's, well, there are so many things we could we could we could talk about in this. Um, <laughs> I know
0: that was a lot. I just said a lot, but it was just so like I was like, oh man.
1: I mean, it's a nice and it's streamlined, right? I think that you're giving us a really important streamline. Okay, I I want to circle back to the very first moment you were kind of talking about there with with Sorin, Claudia, and and Viren. And at really, even at on their way down, Erevo's whispers in Viren's ear and says, "Be careful. You gotta look the part. You're having visitors." And mm-hmm. you know, I wonder what would happen if Soren and Claudia saw Viren without that butterfly having coming come down to the jail cell. I, I wonder, mm. yeah, if a true vision of what dark magic has done to Viren if a vision of what he kind of has become um, without the mask, so to speak. If that would have made it harder to for him to gaslight them, right? Yeah. So I, I, I'm wondering, kind of pulling on the metaphor here around what is that mask, right? Because Viren is... Um, Continuing to utilize dark magic to make his appearance more uh, acceptable, and this kind of turn for me is, you know, metaphoric for his like this is the, the, the vision of what his soul actually looks like, um, and it's mm. it's really interesting how it takes a toll on the on the literal body, and how our image is just as important. For um, cultivating and creating a vision for the future, as the vision we have literally in our minds. Does that make sense? Like, I'm, I'm thinking about. Yeah. I'm thinking about that, and I, I'm curious. What, what are your thoughts on that? I'm. I'll, I'm gonna pause. There's. I haven't fully processed, so I'm just <laughs> curious.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, Viren is. I mean he not only has a personal vision, but he is trying to present a vision, right? He's trying to convince a lot of people that he is the right choice. Yeah. Um. And I think what you said about how his appearance plays a role in that is, I mean, obvious. Um. Because like you said, his appearance is degrading, you know, mm. the more he uses dark magic. Mm. um, And then he has to use magic to mask that. So I feel like if he didn't, look normal, if he didn't look acceptable, if he didn't look, you know, quote-unquote good, whatever their standard of good and normal is, then it would be a lot harder for him to sell what he's selling, which is that he's right, um, and that he's on the side of good. Um, And I feel like, at this point, in his manipulation of his children, uh, he, well, he and Erevos know that, like, they are not ready to see the truth.
1: No, no.
0: Like, and if they saw that, if anyone saw that, um, you know, they their plan would be, you know, they'd be climbing up a hill 10 times steeper.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I'm, I'm thinking about this and what, what is the, you know, real world equ- equivalent for us. And what, what's coming to mind is, you know, <laughs> the dark magic at work that uh when i go to work and i am trying to uh survive at work oftentimes what happens is i am putting on a mask in front of my boss in front of the my co-workers in order to make it that seem like i'm okay and what that looks like is I am, you know, oh, everything's fine. I'm doing great. I, oh, everything's lovely. And then at home I'm crying because I can't
0: keep up. I can't do this anymore.
1: <laughs> because... And then we're doing this kind of in the name of shame. Like what will they, I will lose them if they see me at my worst. If they see my real self, if they get a vision for what it's like to really be me, then I will lose them. And that's kind of the, the shame-faced fear of being unlovable or like we won't belong. But for Viren, yeah. I don't think that's what's happening. I think that for, for Viren, this is I will not be able to use them and I will not be able to achieve my vision If I lose them. Right? Yeah. So.
0: I mean, I don't think he has any qualms with his appearance, especially later in the season. Uh, Yeah. I don't think he's trying to hide. He's not trying to hide it to, like, for himself to look normal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, like, really curious about this because... ah, oh, it's just, it's so dirty. It makes me feel dirty. Um, I, I, I yeah. Okay. I, I lost my train of thought, but I, I it just,
0: that's <laughs> no, okay. I, inter- I interrupted you a little bit. So that's my it's fault. It's just a
1: super ew moment. I, I think I just really loathe to, to think that, and I think we all do this in a way. And I think we do it for different reasons, right? And so some of us are scared of losing people that we feel connected to. And it's shame. Some of us don't want to share because if they see us, then like I'll, I'll get fired from my job. So that's part of it. Like if I don't keep up appearances and make it look like I'm, you know, top dog, then I'm going to get fired or other reasons are this vision concept. And I, I think that anytime we put vision ahead as like our highest ethical framework we are fraught with peril because we see what Viren is willing to do in order to achieve this vision and I think when vision is the top priority at the expense of family at the expense of humanity at the expense of lives I think that there's something really not okay about that
0: yeah actually, actually said exactly what I was going to say is that um you know when we focus on you know a facade or we focus on you know pushing forward a vision to others yeah and we lose our humanity and I feel like anybody who has ever made a genuine connection knows that your humanity is your biggest tool of you know compassion and communication mm-hmm. with other people and that's that's what brings people in, um, is seeing that you're, you're real, right? Yeah. And seeing that human side of you rather than trying to cover everything up, um, trying to cover things up so that people will think something specific of you, whatever you're trying to portray. Um, because yeah, then it's not, it's not real. I definitely feel like Viren's not being real, but when is he really ever? So... Good
1: question. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I forgive me for tying this to a conversation about religion, but I think that this is probably one of the main things that I find really terrifying about religion in general is anytime people are uh, using one person's view of like salvation which is what's what what, is, what saves us, and sometimes that vision, you know, is you know, we will all go to heaven if you only accept jesus christ if you're for instance if for for a christian perspective and what's really interesting there is one of the one of the like checks and balances involved in church concepts is that no one person should be able to be the voice of any religion and what they do is they instead have what is called like the the church at large to offer like this checks and balances. And so when people are having community and be, are able to create what we kind of discussed between Ezrin and Kasif, what create this shared vision, all of a sudden what happens is it checks out against other people's visions. And what we see Viren doing is actively shutting down other visions of the future um, that don't align with his, and that kind of not allowing conversation is exactly what happens, and what leads to the Holocaust. <laughs> it's exactly what leads mm, to yeah. uh, all of the genocides and things. Because my my shared vision, uh, or rather my not shared vision, my vision is the vision, and anything else needs to to die. Frankly. And so, this is what we see and do, and it's it's just really dangerous, and so i just I'm kind of making that real world connection there um, and thinking about the what is yeah. at stake when we don't allow for other people's visions to merge with our own
0: yeah, I mean that's yeah, I feel like so many I can think of like a million political intrigue shows where there's some line about how. You know, do you see everybody who criticizes you as, you know, opposition, as an obstacle that you need to remove, you know, is one word of dissent, you know, like, meaning that you need to take out, you know, that entire section of people. So, yeah, I feel like it's a lesson to be learned and I feel like we hope that we're learning it, but it requires a lot of self-reflection. Yeah, Um, yeah. Not everybody has that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And I'm glad you use the word gaslighting because this is like prime example of gaslighting 101 with Viren and Soren. <laughs> like it's... A, it's so bad. It's so bad. Um, yeah. If you ever need an example of what gaslighting is, everybody, this is an excellent example. <laughs> um, and by excellent, I mean terrifying Ugh. because it clearly works. Um... Yeah, yeah
0: i know and claudia just drives the nail home she says oh sore bear yeah it's a good thing that you messed you messed up the mission that you thought you had yeah oh
1: yeah.
0: my goodness
1: yeah. well and i
0: think just makes soren question everything Well, and i
1: think claudia claudia believed soren and when viren does this he leans on everything that soren feels shameful about the fact that he's not that mm. smart, the fact that he already felt a lot of shame for saying yes in the first place and he just writes Soren off. This is this is the moment he lost Soren.
0: Yes. Like if
1: we were to point to any moment, there were moments before that could like but he he could have kept Soren on his team. But this is the moment mm-hmm. he lost him. I think.
0: Yes, I agree. I think he basically knew that Claudia would be more helpful later yeah. and decided that he didn't need Soren really like, yeah, basically, Oh gosh. Right. Just thought that Soren would be too stupid, too stupid to even ever, you know, go against him yeah. that he would never, yeah. uh, yeah. It's just so sad. Yeah, it's tragic. And it just, it just tells Soren that he can't trust himself.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, and
0: it takes him a long, you know, I feel like it takes him
1: the rest of the season. But I feel like after...
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like he does make some choices. He to kind of try to right the wrongs later, but ultimately, yeah, he's not sure what course of action to take. Cause he can't trust himself and he knows he can't trust his dad anymore. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, it's so tragic.
1: Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, can we I wanna can we go to Rayla and the this moonshadow shadow sp- experience that we have? Yes. I'm really interested in the concept of uh exile and banishment. Um as mm. making the choice to not see Someone, yeah, right, and it's so interesting for me. And I'm like, there's this vivid memory I have of reading a book scene where someone gets banished, and I don't remember the book, and it's driving me wild, but it really made me think of this. Um, but th- there's this to be in the presence of and to literally not be seen is like my worst nightmare. <laughs>
0: yeah. Right. I mean, and they took it so literal, not just in that. Yeah. You know, people are ignoring yeah. you, but like so literal.
1: Yeah. It's terrifying. And, you know, I think a lot of people would be like, no, this is like my, this is an ideal situation where I could walk through the world and be invisible. And I think that's oftentimes true. If we are the subject of uh, bullying or the subject of a lot of torment and pain, and we experience pain with people. But I think long-term, mm. the decision... This is, like, almost worse than... I can't... I, I was going to say it's worse than dying. And I I think that depends on the situation. But, like, there... Depending mm. on who you are, this could be worse than dying.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And, yeah, I mean, go ahead, go ahead.
0: Oh, sorry, go ahead. Okay. I mean... Yeah, some people I guess if they came back home and they realized that nobody could see them, they'd be like, "Oh, thank, thank God, I didn't want to be known by these people, anyways." But I feel like for Rayla, you know, her connection to her village and to the people there, you know, that raised her, that was really special to her, and I feel like she spent like the you know ever since her mission and spent all that time working towards what she's achieved now. Seeing her so excited to go back home, you know, and to bring Callum there, and to, you know, try, like, the desserts, and to show all her favorite places, and then to realize that, you know, they've basically blocked her out. And she, and she, and, you know, Callum knows, too, that she doesn't deserve that. Yeah. I was gonna say, she feels she doesn't deserve that, um, but, I mean, I feel like she knows in her heart that she did what's right, because she spent two seasons basically reconciling that reconciling her choices. And then to come back and realize that they punished her for the story that they told about her without her being there.
1: I feel like that's just heartbreaking. Again, it's this idea of something happens. We tell a story and that story is inherently incomplete because we don't have all the information and we make decisions that, really drastically affect the health, mental health of other people that we in, like that we care about that matter. And I just find that to be really sad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I think we write stories about people without even knowing it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Without even realizing that maybe we hadn't considered their side or we hadn't considered all the factors Mm -hmm. um and I feel like what we know about Rayla is that before she went on that mission it was already you know people were already kind of unsure about her there because of her parents because of what happened um and so basically I I think that they thought their suspicions were confirmed true um Mm -hmm. you know that she wasn't brave and that she decided to abandon you know her team just like her parents did yeah. um rather than giving her you know any I don't want to say benefit of the doubt because obviously people lost their lives it was a big deal you know it wasn't just a little thing but without you know being generous to the fact that she's part of their family and she lost people too
1: exactly um, yeah it didn't just happen to everybody back home it also happened to yeah. Rola
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um. So I feel like it's just sad. And, you know, seeing her, you know, be like, oh, we'll go to Athari. Athari would never cast the spell. Um. He always, you know, cared for me. You know, and then to see that he did, man. Yeah. That's rough because, I mean, those, that was like, you know, father figures in her life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's also interesting too because... I, I think I think what strikes me as this being such a a devastating thing is that to be seen is what what we kinda long for in terms of um mm. you know, it's it's one thing to be seen and like literally, oh look, there's somebody over there, but to like be seen as in you know me, you know who I really am and I think that's what yeah. makes this with um ethari really really scary right because
0: mm-hmm. he
1: knew her right he knew her at her core and then yeah. believed that this is how this would go and that to me signals that there was there was something missing or there was uh and not just that but also signals that there was pain involved and oftentimes when we are in pain and we are um I I don't think we have an as open a mind and we as that we are as willing to be forgiving, right? Than mm-hmm. when we aren't. And yeah. so I wonder if this hadn't been Runan on this mission, and had it been someone else that wasn't his right? husband, would he have made the same decision? Um Oh, yeah.
0: Right? Like an I, I honestly think the answer is if it wasn't Runan, he, w- he wouldn't have done that to Yeah,
1: her. I, I don't know that he would have either. I think that pain clouds our vision. And I think that's something that mm-hmm. is worth kind of uh, keeping with us as we think about. And, like, let's go back to Prince Kasif, right? Pain was clouding his vision. It didn't allow him to see a possible peace uh, thing, right? A, p- a vision of peace, and so I I think that that might be something like a self-awareness piece for us to consider. Like, okay, I'm in pain. I need to process this before I make any decisions. Right. I, I wonder if that's something yeah. that we can kind of use as a filter for our decisions moving forward when it comes to acting on our vision for the future, you know?
0: Yeah. Cause it's really easy to make that split second decision To be like, nope, I'm done. Or no, I don't want to see that person ever again. Or no, I won't consider, I won't consider this other option.
1: You know what Um, it reminds me of? It reminds me of like breaking up with a significant other and then immediately going to dye your hair and then regretting it the next day. Right?
0: (laughs) Right, yes. (laughs) Yeah, because you're like, I need a solution. I need to fix this. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
1: Anyway, I, I think, ugh, it's devastating.
0: Yeah. Ugh. And I I mean, I appreciate that Athari, after seeing Rayla, you know, in the reflection of the sword, comes down, you know, and, you know, casts that spell that allows them to see each other and allows him to hear her side of the story. I feel like, one, that's really good. That's really nice of him. Um, I think that was the right thing to Hmm. do. But then also, you know, when she shares, you know, why she did what she did, you know, he doesn't really, he doesn't push back and say, but you should have did this, or you should have did this, or blah, 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 You know, he just, I mean, he just takes it for what it is. And, you know, their goal, their, you know, the Moonshadow elves their vision had always been the same, was to basically right the wrongs of the past in what way they saw mm-hmm. fit. And getting the egg and the dragon prince back to the dragon queen, like, he's on board with that now. He's like, okay, this is what we're doing now.
1: I'm on board. I will help you. Yeah. And I think this is the example that we wanted from Ezra and Prince Kasif, where he had this vision. He, Rayla had a vision. He was unwilling to hear it because he wrote her off. But then he was like, hold on, let's talk. Let's figure out. Let's come to a consensus so that we can get closure Right? I think that was his kind of goal, mm-hmm. was to get closure on this. He wanted... In, like, he needed something because he lost his beloved. And yeah. I, I think that his desire for closure is what allowed them to come to a... This moment where they could communicate and actually merge their their vision. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think maybe for Prince Case, if like, he wasn't at that, you know, not... As, you know, not a lot of time had passed, um, he wasn't at that moment yet where he could, you know, need to be, he could be heard, um, you know, let his, you know, speak to his pain, but then also make an informed choice. But then at the same time, you know, I don't know if he was necessarily given, like, space to be heard either. I'm not sure, you know, I don't want to, like, put blame on anybody, but yeah, maybe that's what Prince Kasif needed. He needed to be heard like you said accountability um you know and maybe with Rayla and Athari maybe because some I don't know because they already ghosted you know they already turned her into Mm -hmm. a ghost or whatever the you know whatever they did maybe because that had already happened you know Athari was able to kind of you know thaw a little bit thaw that cold shoulder towards her a little bit because that had already happened yeah
1: yeah. I also I'm 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 digressing or not digressing. I'm I'm just taking a a slight left for a second. Um and I'm go- sure. going to this like the idea of getting into this being able to see the hidden um home in the first place and the idea of their Rayla and Callum had to do this uh Dance. What it reminded me of kind of the the dance oh, of the dragons yeah. to get in from Avatar. It reminded oh, me
0: of, it totally, it right? totally is. And
1: it wasn't exactly the same, but it, it reminded me of that. And you know, it, it, I find it really interesting that it requires an act of uh, of body to uh, change what the mind and what the eye can see. And it's really oh, interesting. Yeah. Like it, it implies that like action. And taking action with our bodies makes it, affects what we can see. That's, that's, the, <laughs> that's the metaphor that I'm, I'm tracking there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious, does that make sense as a, a, tell me about that. How does that resonate with you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, it, what it made me think of, which I don't know if this is exactly what you were thinking of, but it makes me think of like how we don't really understand people we don't really under, other like understand other places until we go mm-hmm. there or until we we connect um oftentimes like in a physical way whether that being physically in a place or you know physically doing something with our body or um so i feel like that's what that made me think of is that you just don't really con- you know it will change how you see something when you interact with it on another level yeah.
1: I I think what it reminds me of is thinking about how, like, I understand a lot of things on an intellectual level, but uh, when it comes to actually doing the practices, and, like, an example of that is, like, meditation. I know that meditating for 10 minutes a day would drastically benefit my mental health. I intellectually understand this. (laughs) And... In order to really know and uh, believe in it and to, I I need to actually do it with my body. And so I think I would see the world differently, literally, if I did that, even though I intellectually understand it now. And I kind of track it with that kind of a concept also. Um, You know,
0: yeah, I, tot- I totally right, agree. and
1: I, it's, it's it's it made me think about vision when I saw them dancing. I was like, oh, body, that's important.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then this episode, like, I mean, I feel like I chose vision, and we're talking a lot of a lot of like a lot of the deep stuff, but it's also like, just what are they seeing, you know? And they're kind of you know through that dance, they're unlocking the ability to see you know, this magical place that Rayla grew up, grew up in. And, you know, Callum is like amazed. You know, it's it's picturesque. It's gorgeous. I'd love to live there. (laughs) Yeah. looks awesome.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of cool things. Speaking of like seeing things and catching things. Uh, I don't know that I, maybe it just like was subconscious for me last time, but this, uh, with all of these, like, magical flowers that are beacons for the lives that may or may not be lost for the assassins when they leave. Um, I Mm. think I realized this before, but for some reason it hit me differently this time to see that one was kind of like still floating, but floating underwater and still like subtly blinking. Did you catch that? It was a really, really like one second clip. (laughs) Um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting yeah. to think about what happens when they go into the coin. Are they alive? Are they not alive? Um, but it seems like they're half alive. It's.
0: <laughs> I know. I'm like, ah, oh, I know. It's such a mystery that um, we really don't get the answers yeah. to. Yeah. And I can't, I, I mean, honestly, when I saw that, though, I was like, man, Athari didn't just like, you know, scope out the fountain a little bit more or the yes! pond. You know, that's what wanna, I like, wanted. Take a double like, check. Look in. You know, because then he, he would have seen that there is hope, right? Yeah. He would have seen that there's hope. And then maybe he wouldn't have, you know, assumed the worst of yeah. Rayla. Yes. Um, or I, I guess he didn't really assume the worst of her, but he wouldn't have. I don't think he would have made the same choices if he had that little bit of hope. Seeing that one of the flowers was not totally yeah. sunken. I,
1: I wonder if that's ever happened before. Right, and it's one of those things where like, oh, well, if they're not on the WOP, then they're they're just gone, and because that's how it has always been in the past. Uh, but like, yeah. there's this uh, like, I really love this idea that hope is just a little bit below the surface if you're willing to look for it, and I, I think that's how it is with our visions yeah. too. Like, our vision is clouded by our if if we just took one more step and looked, and maybe like oh, there's a leap of faith. And some people would be like, oh, you're kidding yourself. There's That's never happened before. And you know what I mean? But then he like, if he did look, it's all of a sudden it's like, no, in this case, it's true. And sometimes I think a lack of hope also, it's kind of what's, I don't know what the word is. There's a, a relationship that vision is this combination of imagination and hope And I think when you lack hope it's because you couldn't even imagine a situation in which that flower might be just floating underwater. Right? Right. So there's no way to see a future in which it could be otherwise. Anyway, I digress. Um, But I thought that was was interesting. Mm.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like (laughs) <laughs> and i just lost my train of thought too but i feel like yeah like you said if, <laughs> excuse me if that if Ari had just looked a little deeper if he had just reached out a little bit more he would have seen he would have seen that um and that would have you know Could've helped made a all lot the difference. that would have helped a lot yeah yeah
1: okay um i want to be mindful of our time um are there any other big moments or uh, little moments that we want to make sure we hit on before we take a, a short break?
0: I think that's it for me. I think we hit some really good points yeah. that were most important Sweet. to me.
1: Well, I guess the we we didn't talk really about Amaya and this giant like son of a scepter thing that she had to look into. But
0: oh, um, that's true.
1: I think that's my last thing. Is this this? It's really interesting the metaphor there of like okay this light is so dang bright that I'm gonna see everything about this person right Mm -hmm. and when that happens all of a sudden oh how ironic a human with a pure heart lock her up anyway and I'm just like seriously you (laughs) Um, but anyway I
0: I know oh and I I wondered like you know. Jani wanted Amaya to be spared because Amaya had spared her, right? Yeah, so good point. she helped her. she helped her overcome that light. But then, yeah, they just threw her back in prison. And I was like, you know, what's Jani's vision for why she wants to keep mm. Amaya? Because, you know, the queen, Kessa says, enjoy your pet, yeah. right? She says, enjoy your pet. Like, so I, you know, I kind of wonder what the thought process was there. But I think... It was kind of off the, you know, not off the cuff, but it was just that I don't think she deserves to die. Yeah, it was
1: also, like, this idea of she dehumanizes Amaya, like, by calling her, like, enjoy your pet, right? And it's, yeah. it's really frustrating for me that you, you literally have the ability to see whether someone is of pure intention and is of pure heart. And then you're going to not listen to it and you're going to then continue to dehumanize it just is a signal of so much prejudice that it's like I have this thing that I thought was going to kill you because I don't have any faith that any human is able to survive and then when you do survive it's like I still don't have faith lock him up for to be a little pet it's just it it shows and illustrates such disdain and I, I really struggle with that a little bit because I'm like if you have this tool that you rely on why not rely on it? <laughs> you know?
0: Oh, yeah. That's such a good point. Well, I mean, I feel, I feel like this, in the story, they're trying to illustrate that, you know, the, the Sunfire Elves, they're not tolerant, no. right? I feel like they're trying to illustrate that. They're trying to illustrate this gray area of the story that both sides have people that really give their side a bad yep. name. And then they have people, you know, like Rayla, like Janai, that are kind of showing, no, it's not the same. And then people, you know, like Callum, like Ezrin that are showing. It's oh, not, so you know, beautiful. It's not, you not everybody's it like so that. it's so real. So it's, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's, yeah, it is kind of frustrating because you're like, yeah, she has a pure heart. That's a pretty big deal, right? And Amai is great. But I feel like, you know, in the story, that's, I mean... That's just the fact is she hates humans. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah. That's too real for me. I don't like it because (laughs) like, I I love, I I just like, if I had that staff, I'd be like, all right, everybody look into the light. And if you're here, you're on my, you're on my little posse. But I, (laughs) mm, it just, even it, what that tells me is even if we had that, there would still be things that are going wrong. Even if we have a tool that can literally do what that tool does Mm -hmm. there would still be problems and so it just reminds me that there's no like magic bullet if you will that would solve everything
0: yeah yeah totally
1: okay all right let let's do this let's take a short break and we will let some music uh enter the lives of our listeners and we'll come back shortly thereafter and dive into our final couple of segments everybody welcome back we're so glad that you're still with us kelly's still here so that's really just makes it all the better for you to stay and listen up uh because we are diving into our final two segments for our dragon prince edition and this first one for those of you who are new because you just wanted to hear kelly talk huh. uh is the lens mvp <laughs> uh and we are choosing the the character in this episode that really embodies the lens uh and this doesn't mean that they were you know the best uh person in terms of character or morality but the one who really just embodied this lens and had something to do with it and so kelly and i have chosen two nominees for the lens mvp you of course can vote uh on who you think is better and you can also send in your own nominees uh, at BNB underscore Pod at all the things. You can also email us at, at com. But anyway, I digress. Kelly, who did you choose for your lens MVP?
0: Okay, I went for obviously King Ezrin, because.
1: Okay, 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 okay. Good choice. Good
0: choice. Uh, one, he's awesome. Two, he's awesome. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I thought
1: agreed. Agreed. I,
0: <laughs> I just love that he that he has a vision for what the future could be that is not, you know, not clouded by the pain of the past. And it's his own family. It's literally his family. Um, you know, it's not somebody else's family. It's, it's tied to his story. Um, yeah. And he still chooses, he still chooses peace. Um, even though Mm -hmm. there, and there are other people around him who, do have pain, like Prince Kasif, you know, his father almost dying, you know, who are not at that point, which I think is okay. But I love that that Ezrin, you know, even though it was literally his father that died, you know, it was his mother or Kelm's Anyway, who? Oh man. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Their mother. Know, yeah. yeah, their mother. I could have just said that. But it's his family, and he still decided that. What's most important is peace, so that they can stop sacrificing people's lives for this cause, so yeah
1: yeah yeah i i there's a lot here for sure, and I really like this one because also one of the things that i I think this that King Ezrin does in this episode with his vision is make it so that everybody who's like watching it can also lean into that as a possibility, right? It's it's giving us hope for a future of peace, right? It's showing us that it's possible. And I think I admire, I admire him for that. So I think that's a, a really good option that you've lifted up for us.
0: Yes, thank you for sending it home with that. Anyway, so this is why my choice should win if there was a hypothetical winner.
1: Um, well, I disagree because my choice is clearly The MVP for the episode I am choosing a character That only said like three lines And I'm choosing Erevos Now hear me out Hear me out (laughs) Gasp Okay Hear me out Because I think that Erevos Is the one who is seeing Most everything clearly I think that he is clearly malevolent Uh But but I I think that his vision of what is is probably the most accurate. Um, we see him know like he can be more than one place at a time uh, because of his caterpillar self as well as his what we'll call like his his spirit self, right? And he's able to realize that people are visiting him, visiting Viren. He's able to know that how they will respond and predict how they would react. He's able to see a a larger future and play chess with Viren as his pawn and know and be able to plan around Viren. Um, I think that Erevos has a very clear and direct path that he is acting on using Viren as a little tool. And I think that he does it flawlessly. And that is the reason I think Erevos should win the MVP award for vision thoughts.
0: Ah, uh, I mean, he's he, you're right. He is probably the strongest player in the game, which is scary. Also, do you think he's playing both sides? <laughs> do you think he's playing both sides? Cause isn't he an elf?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's super interesting because uh, we don't know for sure. I don't, Think we know for sure that Erevos was the the elf that gave Baird the dark magic originally.
0: That's what I but was thinking. But I think thinking. it's
1: pr- I think it's pretty strongly uh, theorized by the fandom that Erav- the, the reason Erevos is locked up is for giving humans the, the for giving humans dark magic. Um, uh, I, yeah. Of course, we could of course be wrong, but I I think. He has been plotting this for a long, long time. And I think he's got a very clear vision of be- of getting free. And uh, I think that's what he's acting on. And Mirren's just a, a little tool in the toolbox to make that happen. Oh, absolutely. That's my...
0: Absolutely.
1: You, right? So, you know, that's that's my suggestion. Yeah. Uh, I think that I clearly should uh, have Erebus win. But, you know, I don't do all the voting. So, uh, mm. I'm just going to have to... Let our listeners decide. We'll definitely uh, post a poll in Patreon after this airs so that everybody who's a patron can vote. But also, on social media, you should check us out and follow us anyway and then interact with us more because we'll interact with you if you interact with us because clearly we don't post as enough <laughs> as it is uh, because, you know, we are working people and social media is the bane of my existence. That being said, we still like interacting with people if you interact with us. So we're, we're there. We just don't post as much as we would like. Um, so it goes. Anyway, I digress. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, let's move on to the gratitude segment, which is, you know, one of the better segments that we do, I think. Um, who are you grateful for, Kelly? I'm curious.
0: Uh, I'm so grateful for the privilege of going first in both of these, because I get some really strong picks. <laughs> but I'm grateful for Athari, Runan's husband. Because... Oh, yeah. I'm just glad that he. Well, I'm well, one, I'm glad that he's holding up a sword and he can see Rayla's reflection and he can see that yeah. she's there. I'm glad for that moment to happen. But I'm just glad that he decides that hearing her side of you know her side of the story about what happened is important, and that he hmm. comes to understand why she did what she did. Um, yeah. And then comes to aid her and Callum, you know, on their quest to reunite Zim with his mom, um, you know, mm. and and shoots that message off at the end of the episode to the Dragon Queen. He offers them two steeds to be on their way. So I'm just thankful that mm. that he did not let, you know, his judgment of Rayla before You know, impact the chance that he had right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm. I I love all of that. Yeah. Side note: I I think that if I had one power that I could like take from the series, it would be the ability to shoot those messenger arrows. Cause they're so cool. Like, right? they are so <laughs> like cool. I, who, who would ever choose to send an email when you could fire a dragon shaped arrow into the sky. That's guaranteed to <laughs> fly all the way to your target. That'd I just, be... I think that's super dope.
0: Just at the office, there's like flaming birds all over the place.
1: Yeah. How about super cool memos from now on? That's all yeah. I'm saying.
0: <laughs> it would liven things up. It would make things more interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm here for it. That's that's all I'm saying. Anyway, uh, I digress.
0: <laughs> Who did you um, choose?
1: Yeah. Uh, good. Thank you for circling back to the purpose of our <laughs> conversation. Um, I I chose Soren, and. I, part of it is just I'm in a little pity party for Soren because I just I I know what it is like to be in his situation where someone you love and care about has kind of grabbed your heart from inside you like and then ripped it from you and you aren't exactly sure how they did it because you haven't fully processed it in the moment. Mm. and all you know is that you're in a lot of pain, and I I think that that's what this moment with Viren embodies for me, is just that he has, he doesn't know why he's right he hasn't quite processed it fully yet, because frankly it's, it's traumatic, and it's terrifying and then to have it kind of thrown in your face, I'm just I think what I'm grateful for is that There's so much humility in Soren, And it is, he is so good at heart and he wants to do good and that's all he cares about. And then it is being used against him. And I think that's why I'm grateful. I'm I'm grateful that he is so good and I'm really sad that people are taking advantage of his goodness. And it makes me, it makes me mad.
0: Yeah, and the care and love that he has for his dad and his sister, like yeah. he doesn't yeah. want he doesn't want confrontation with them. He wants to support them, but then yeah, yeah, but then some stuff happens. So, mm. oh,
1: there's so much there. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's, uh, oh, okay, 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 okay. Uh we want to know from you all. If you're listening and you're interested, who you would choose to be grateful right for in this episode. And remember, you can always tweet at us, Instagram us, DM us on all the things at BNB underscore pod. Uh, we're also on Patreon. Obviously, our patrons have some cool perks to choose from, one of which is joining us on the series at this point, which is super cool. But So cool. There's also, yeah. So, Kelly, uh, since I have you, like, what's your what's your favorite perk uh, that you have access to? And um, can you just tell us a little bit about it?
0: Yeah, I mean, my favorite is by far doing the live episodes with you and Sunshine every month. When I get to go, I haven't been able to go very often, but whenever I do, it's so fun, and it it's so uplifting. I mean, I spend all day not talking to adults, um, and it's just so nice. Even when I'm tired, I can talk to some people about stuff that I love, about Avatar, yeah. mm-hmm. Um and it's so uplifting and everyone's so great and it's just allowed me to get to know the other patrons better to actually communicate you know with you guys and with them it's such a joy that's my favorite part hands down
1: i think that's my favorite perk also um it's just really community building is is it's really nice it's nice i like having people that are on the same page that like friends and it's not always on the same page about everything just being on the same page about like liking Avatar and liking yeah. the Dragon Prince and willing to have honest conversation about you know tough things <laughs> um, yes yeah, it's, I wouldn't say it's that we always agree but rather that there's always there's a there's a center that we all care about and we're all willing to kind of engage it I think that's super neat
0: yes everyone always brings a perspective that's definitely different from my own and I like that And I've definitely like rethought some things that I thought about certain episodes because of what we talked about.
1: I love it. Yeah. Me too. Me too. For sure. I really, it's, it's doing those episodes that really make me want to like re-record all of season one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because season one was such a, uh, we were still learning, you know? And so anyway, Um, but anyway, okay. Well, I, I think we have successfully arrived at the, the end of our episode. Um, Thank you so much for joining. I'm I'm really grateful. This has been a lovely conversation. Um, yeah. Is there anything that you wanna wanna share? If 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 people want to find you, do you want people to be able to find you on on the on the social medias? Like, what what are your thoughts? Anything you want to end um, with?
0: <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not social media famous by any means. I do not post anything except my cat and pictures of my life um it's really boring so i mean if you want to follow me on twitter that's where if i say anything remotely spicy it happens on twitter at carpe dm16 with a k in carpe so you know if you want to but um no i just want to say thank you ben for having me on the podcast i like i said at the beginning lifelong dream i can't wait to the to listen to the other episodes that i hope you're doing with other patrons because i hope they're awesome for sure and I'm glad that I get to be first, but also I hope that uh, the other patrons don't listen to this and be like, I gotta do that, I gotta do it like that. No, please do it, please do it in a way that suits you, that say some really smart things. Do some...
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah or thank you or so don't, much. and just make me look smart, that's cool too. <laughs> um, that's
0: true, it's true, we're here to help.
1: Yeah, I am and I...
0: I'm here to help you.
1: It's going to be great. It's great. I'm not saying I'm smart, but sometimes our, our powers <laughs> combined, um, we do Together. work.
0: Together yeah. we make one brain. Indeed.
1: All right. Well, this has been Bending Not Breaking. And until next time, be well and do good.